I have a brand new 20% off code for you to use on a probiotic that has literally changed my digestion. So listen up. As someone who's struggled with IBS since like age eight or nine, sometimes my gut will still randomly act up without me knowing why. And that happened a few months ago and went on for weeks. I started searching for a probiotic that contains a combination of evidence-based strains, including both lactobacilli and bifidobacteria strains, because research actually shows you get more benefits benefit when these two are taken together. I also really wanted prebiotics included, and so I tested something called Doctor's Choice Probiotic, and wow, it made a difference almost immediately. I had absolutely no bloat the next morning, and my digestive issues completely cleared up It was wild. Doctor's Choice is formulated with 30 billion live beneficial bacteria per capsule. It also contains FOS, which is a powerful prebiotic that feeds the probiotic strains. It's a safe, delayed-release coating makes it so that it actually gets into the digestive tract. Doctor's Choice probiotic is made by MD Logic Health. It is developed and manufactured in a USA GMP facility. Every ingredient is tested for potency and purity, And they do additional testing for toxins like mold and even heavy metals. If you struggle with digestive issues, bloating, or want to optimize your body's ability to break down food, including protein, I highly recommend rotating in Doctor's Choice Probiotic. Both my husband and I now take it daily. And for a limited time, you will get 20% off Doctor's Choice. Just go to mdlogichealth.com forward slash doctor's choice and use coupon code WELLFED20 for 20% off. Again, that's mdlogichealth.com forward slash doctor's choice. That's D-R-S-C-H-O-I-C-E. Use coupon code WELLFED20 for 20% off, and you always get free shipping on orders $50 or more. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome, friends. I am so happy that you are here. Welcome back if you've been a longtime listener. And welcome if this is your first time. This is episode number 440. I've been doing this podcast for eight years now, and I have talked about the idea of adapting your life, your food, your fitness, your skincare to your cycle many times with some awesome interviews. And it's been really cool over the last decade to see this idea take off and really grow and become popular. And with that comes more evidence, more education, better understanding, more customization. It's been really cool to see so many influencers and experts and personal trainers talk more about cyclical living That is really understanding how our menstrual cycle works and then adapting our life to it in order to optimize overall performance and mental and emotional health, our jobs, our careers, 
And yes, I do want to forewarn you, if you have little ears listening, I would save this episode for another time because we do talk about that part of your life with your partner and how you sync it to your cycle. Today, my interview is with Courtney Babilia. She is a registered nurse, personal trainer, and women's fitness specialist. As a former competitive gymnast turned mom of two, she switched gears from emergency room nursing to preventing people from becoming so sick in the first place. We actually found out after we recorded this that she was a competitive gymnast for 16 years at the gym right down the road from me. Not not right down the road, but in my area. She's the creator of the Keeping Balance Method, a fitness app for women that allows us to be more consistent with movement because it's designed for female physiology. I love following Courtney on Instagram. And today, she and I really tackle the the stuff of now. This is why I'm calling it Cycle Sinking 2.0. So we really take on the myths, some of the articles that have come out more recently, specifically those that say cycle sinking is too hard for women. We also talk about fitness gains and strength adaptations according to your cycle. We talk about irregular cycles and how to adapt your life to your cycle, even when it's a little all over the place. You're not sure if you're ovulating. We also talk about specific conditions that you might be in, like your postpartum and breastfeeding, or you're in perimenopause. Courtney is at CourtneyKeepingBalance.com, and her Instagram is at CourtneyKeepingBalance. Now let's get to the interview. Well, welcome, Courtney. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, I've been following you for a very long time, and I love all your reels and everything you do on Instagram. And I have been talking about cycle syncing for such a long time, and I love seeing people like you put it into practice, but also put it into in a way like on Instagram and be able to communicate it in a way that is so easy to understand and follow. And like I learn new things. And so it's been such a joy to follow you. So I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. Likewise, I've been following you for quite some time. I remember being like literally in high school and listening to your podcast. So this is super cool to be on your show now. Not high school, Courtney. Uh, I'm probably younger than you think. No. Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. I love, I, no, I I can, yes, you're very hip. <laughs> that's what we say now. Thank you. You're that's very old status. I can't believe it. You you have two kids, right? Like you're you're yeah. you're a busy mom, but you rock it, girl. Like I, you do the so many reels, and it's it's done in such a way where it's so clear and easy to follow and understand, and you have good lighting. Like I can tell you, you have it going on, girl. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. But you just made me feel really old, so I appreciate that. Um, so I'm calling this cycle syncing 2.0, our discussion, because I have talked a lot about tracking your cycles and, you know, I had Dr. S- Stacey Sims on and we talked about cycle syncing and I feel like the conversation has developed in the last, I don't know, five years or so, you know, a lot more people are learning about cycle syncing and they're hearing it. And along with that comes a lot of questions, a lot of misconceptions, a lot of people doing it wrong a lot of criticisms, um, which we're definitely going to get to. But first, so that we're all on the same page, how do you define the act of syncing your life and fitness and food to your menstrual cycle? 
Yes. So, and, and you pretty much summarized it right there. And syncing to your cycle is just that taking the four phases of your menstrual cycle and then optimizing your lifestyle based on how your body is more geared to respond to those things. So you can use fitness, you can use food, you can even go as deep as skincare and parenting, but taking the different components of how your body is performing in the four different phases in terms of your energy, your mood, um, your performance, your recovery, and then sort of tailoring, custom tailoring your choices to how your particular body is responding in those different phases. And so in, in that sense, some people kind of refer to it as biohacking. Um, but that's an interesting definition for me because um, it's sort of like saying, oh, going to sleep at night and waking up in the morning is biohacking. It's just the way our bodies are designed. And I think for a lot of women, this seems so groundbreaking because we're coming off of a generation that was put on birth control from the time they hit puberty and or coming off of diet culture. So not only were we sort of pressured to have a body type that wouldn't be supportive of having a healthy cycle to begin with, because having any kind of body fat was, you know, just not worthy. And we're sort of realizing that was not okay. And then we're starting to come up birth control, whether it's because you don't like the uh, side effects or because you want to sort of family. And so we're experiencing these four phases for the very first time and understanding what is actually normal for a female body to go through on a monthly basis. And so it's this is becoming huge now because women are understanding that it can have so much um, impact on their lives, both physically and mentally, because there's so much freedom in just body literacy, understanding how your body works and not holding yourself to a standard that's not realistic for you. I love that because you you touched on, a, I think, which something is so important, which is that you 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 figure out the ways in which you obviously we kind of have this template of what the four phases are. However, what works for you in your individual phases is very specific to you, like your body and the way that you tick and the way that you feel and even your own varying hormone levels, the length of your own cycle. And so one of the biggest misconceptions is that you're forcing me to do something that doesn't feel good, which I think is not true at all, right? We're saying, there, your body changes, your physiology changes every single month. And if you know that something isn't right in, you know, this certain phase, something's not right for you, you can take that information and apply it then in the following months so that you feel better and optimize your own health, mental, physical, emotional, but also hormone function. So I love that you touched on that. Can you go over I mean, I know most people will know it, but there's, of course, going to be a lot of people who don't. What are the four phases of the menstrual cycle and how does that all work? Yeah. So if you talk to most doctors, they'll tell you there are two phases of the cycle and the dividing line is ovulation. So before ovulation is the follicular half and after ovulation is the luteal half. But when you take into account the two major events that also happen in the cycle, which is menstruation and ovulation, you get these hormone profiles that really are really distinct and have certain characteristics. And so we can further divide them into 
four phases. And I really love that it is now approached in a four phase model because the two phases, it doesn't make sense because the beginning of one and the end of one are drastically different because of the hormone variation. So let's go over the four. So first is the menstrual phase. And that's when you are bleeding day one of your period is the first day of your cycle. So that's typically, you know, between three and seven days. So as long as you're bleeding, you're in your menstrual phase. Once you stop bleeding, you're in your follicular phase. And that is when estrogen is rising. Your body is working on releasing an egg, getting that egg all packaged up and ready to go. And then is the ovulatory phase. That is when your uh, fertile window is open, you ovulate, and then 24 hours post-ovulation, when your fertile window closes, you've moved into the luteal phase. That's when progesterone takes over as the major player. And the luteal phase is pretty long. And so we can even further divide that into early luteal phase and late luteal phase if you want to get that deep, but that luteal phase is going to last about two weeks after you ovulate and up until your next period. And then on she goes. Do you know, right when you stop bleeding, so for me, it's only like three days. So Mm -hmm. right when you stop bleeding, is that like that day your estrogen starts rising or is it like, like when does exactly do hormones start to rise again in that, like what we'd call the follicular phase? Yeah, typically it's around day two to three of your cycle is when estrogen starts to rise again. And the reason that the menstrual phase is in that first half called the follicular half is because your body is already triggering that next round of ovulation, even when you're still bleeding, those hormonal cascades are already starting. So it's pretty fascinating. You're like already bleeding from the last cycle and your body is already preparing for the next one. I love that because I I think there are a lot of people who are like me and we'll get into this later who when you're bleeding, you don't feel bad. Right. And I think that that's a huge misconception is that in the (laughs) medical conventional medical community, it's like, oh, you're on your period. And that's kind of the worst time. Whereas for a lot of women, if when you start to actually track your symptoms in your cycle, you'll learn that a lot of those negative symptoms come beforehand when hormones are tanking. And while you're on your period, then you start to feel a little bit better. So, yeah, that's just like when you're on your period and people say, oh, you must be PMSing. And you're like, actually, no, PMS stands for premenstrual syndrome, which happens before your bleed. And I think it's just one of those like Mandela effect things where everyone just assumes that's the truth and doesn't question it. But no, there's a big distinction there. Yeah. Okay. So how does syncing your life to your cycle really help to improve your your physiology. Do do we have any studies yet? I haven't even really looked at this in the last few years, but do we have any studies that show, you know, syncing up or changing the way that you do things in different phases of your menstrual cycle actually helps to improve your physiology? So your hormone function, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what I'll say first is that I think science is slowly catching up to what women's bodies have been saying for a very long time and what we've known for a long time. So yeah, there are some studies that are coming out and usually the conclusion is something along the lines of an individual approach based off of the individual's menstrual phase is recommended, right? So there's no study that says this day of the cycle, this phase of the cycle will produce this result if you do X. And a lot of, um, a lot of studies also You'll look at them and the sample size is something like 8, 11, 22. And then you'll go to a reel that might go viral talking about syncing to your lifestyle and you'll get millions of views. Sometimes like I've gotten a reel that's 
maybe got over 200,000 likes and hundreds of comments of women saying, yes, this has helped me so much, right? So we have to take the science and, you know, use that to help inform us, but then also know that your lived experience is so incredibly important. Um, We also don't have many studies that are looking at the practice of cyclical living over a long period of time. So we have a lot of studies that are looking at Um, performance. So if you do this type of exercise in this phase of the cycle, is it going to produce a different result than if you do it in this phase? And there are definitely mixed results from from that body of work as well. So we need more. There's currently a study being done on my programming, actually looking at women who are going to follow a strength training program over 16 weeks versus not following a cyclical aligned program and see how, how they do in terms of strength and body composition. So that's coming. So we're working on it. <laughs> That's exciting. And look at you at the forefront. That's really cool. So give me, I, I, before we jump into questions, we'll, we'll handle some criticisms in a minute, but before we, we dive into all of that and everybody's questions, cause we have a lot, give me a snapshot of how you are actually syncing your life to your menstrual cycle. And what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Sure. So there are lots of different ways to go about this, but the most impactful for me is 100% fitness. And that's where I specialize. And so in terms of fitness, for me, that means when I feel like I'm kind of coming out of my thaw from my period, um, that is when I start to ramp up the intensity again. And then I always plan on the peak of my training being about mid cycle. So that's when I'm going to be lifting the heaviest and doing the most intense exercise. That's when my personal capacity for handling the most stress is present. So I sort of plan everything in terms of intensity and my capability of handling stress. So my intense workouts are in the front half of my cycle. When I get into the luteal phase, that's when I start lowering reps, um, sorry, lowering weight and increasing reps. I'm working more on endurance efforts. And um, I also this is so funny. I don't know if you can relate, but I always know that I'm entering my luteal phase because I start to rage clean my house. And this is month after month after month. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, oh yeah, progesterone's raging because I am going around my house with a sponge. And it's just those little things that you notice that like, you're like, oh yeah, here goes my body again. But that's because we're sort of starting to nest, right? As we go into that later half of the cycle. Um, So that's just one little detail I'll throw in there. But then when I start to get to the end um, of my cycle, last few days of my cycle heading into my period, that's when I am starting to accept that walking is a phenomenal source of exercise. And that is plenty, right? My capacity for stress isn't as high there. So I'm reducing my intensity and I'm spending a lot of time outside walking, playing with my kids and understanding that in the grand scheme of my overall training, like my rest being placed there is going to be the most useful because that's when my body needs it. And it's asking for it the most. And you'll even notice sometimes if you're paying attention that your body sort of will gravitate towards different types of exercise more in different types in different parts of the cycle. Towards the end of my cycle, I don't even think about barbells, dumbbells, right? Like it's not even, doesn't even cross my mind of like, I need to get into the gym. It's, I want to be outside. I want to walk. I kind of just want to slow down. Then once my period stops and I'm heading into the follicular phase, the gym is on my mind, whether or not I'm trying. It's just, I want to be in the gym. I want to be lifting and I want to be getting some a good sweat on. It's just what I'm drawn towards. So that's a, a huge part of it. Um, also in terms of um, my business and workflow, I'll also try to plan all of my forward facing things, things on camera towards the beginning of my cycle, because that's when my confidence is the highest. I feel the most social. 
Mm-hmm. Um, versus the later uh, half of the cycle where you're a little bit more detail oriented. That's when I like to go in and do a lot of editing, a lot of just things that are on the back end, um, organizing, cleaning things up. So there are tons of different ways that it just appears in my life naturally because I am just slowing down enough to listen to what my body is trying to do. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about what's on everybody's mind, which is your sex life. Um, definitely, definitely not only more, but more fun in the first half of your cycle and during ovulation than later. And that was such a huge light bulb for me. And I don't talk a lot about sex on this podcast because, you know, there's another person involved that doesn't really want their personal information out everywhere. Um, But I, uh, I have found like, for me, I think we hold a lot of misconceptions about sex drive and what should, you know, how our relationship should be and all that kind of stuff. When I wasn't cycle syncing and I wasn't so aware of like, this is when I'm ovulating. Like, I, I, it's like two different worlds, honestly. Like beforehand, it was like, you kind of had all this pressure and sometimes it was good. And sometimes you were like, I'm just not feeling it. And like, something must be wrong with me. Right. And then you figure it out that like, wow, my sex drive is really high during ovulation. And it like, it's way more fun and it's easier. And like, that is cool. So like, Plan the bulk of, of your sex time. We call it whatever sexy time. A lot of people do around in you know those first two weeks. You you know and it naturally tapers off. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think your partner can absolutely like get on board with that too because you know it's just just a cyclical thing. Like you have a few weeks where it's or a couple weeks where it's you know more, and a couple weeks when it's a little less. And so. Um, I love that too. And honestly, that that's why I started tracking, right? That's why a lot of women start tracking is to prevent pregnancy or to support pregnancy. And so then you learn that and it's, it can be really, really powerful. So yeah, it bleeds in so many different areas of your life. My husband has also learned when yeah. my, my bleed stopped. He's like, okay, are we, are we getting to that time of the month? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're real close, buddy. You're just hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, it's true for so many different things is like, when you realize that there's a physiological reason for why you feel the way you feel, it's just, just so much peace and, and grace that comes with that, that it is just so impactful. Yeah, totally. Okay. So you've taken on a lot of, I've seen you take on the, not take it on like people are criticizing you, but you have taken the criticism head on and addressed it um, Mm -hmm. because there's been a lot of naysayers about sinking your fitness in particular to your menstrual cycle. And I totally get it because when something gets popular like it is now and it starts to really take over before it was very niche and trendy and now it's like it's exploded, um, naturally messages get a little morphed haters come out to try to get likes and attention, or they're honestly just trying to talk about pitfalls. So I brought up an article from, um, CNN and it's just so funny to me. This was done at the end of last year. So about seven months ago, it's so funny to me that CNN's talking about cycle syncing, but it says <laughs> experts say, the in quotation cycle syncing workout trend may not be it's all cracked up to be. Now, these were not actual female experts who had tested and tried it and like said it. What this was just like an assistant professor at a at of exercise physiology at a college. And it was just an opinion piece. But really, if you do Google search, you'll find some interesting stuff. The naysaying of it or why they had the, you know, negative feedback on it was that 
there's, I'm pulling a quote from it. It says, but while evidence does show that certain phases of your menstrual cycle may be optimal for different types of exercise, there's currently no evidence showing cycle syncing has any benefits beyond making it easier to stay fit. I mean, that sounds like a good benefit. Not to mention that actually managing to execute cycle syncing properly may be easier said than done, which I just thought it was kind of fun because it's funny because I was like, okay, I get it that it's like, kind of overwhelming at the beginning but like please don't discount women like we 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 know how to track our cycles when we learn like it's not it's not too complicated for us like we can handle it if you know we you know once we put in the time it's 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 gonna be okay so (laughs) talk me through some just some basic misconceptions and myths specifically that one it's just too hard for women to do which we're gonna absolutely address because I 100% hear you guys like it can be complicated when you don't do it to know, well, what you, okay, so even if when you do know your cycle, it's sort of like, well, how am I supposed to know what's best for me in each phase? That's that's a learning process, and it's one that takes years. So we'll talk about that. But then two, you know, there's this idea or misconception that you need to stop doing anything because you're on your period. So talk me through those two things. <laughs> okay. So first of all, that article is hysterical because that quote of trying to sort of say it's not all it's cracked up to be actually shows so much of why it's important to learn about because one, it does make fitness easier. It makes it easier to adhere to because it feels more natural and we're getting more out of it. It's more efficient. Um, And also it does also show that there is evidence to support it. So evidence to support it and it makes staying fit easier. Those two things together sound like an amazing way to go about trying to increase your fitness. So first of all, I think, you know, it's hard to take on a new approach for anything, right? But it's also because fitness and fitness programs for so long are based off of a male 24-hour hormonal cycle. There's nothing wrong with that for men. That's great. That's how they work. But so many fitness programs for women are just men's fitness programs but in pink, right? You throw in the pink logo and you throw in some pink equipment. And this is a fitness program for women. And women are actually, you know, if you look at social media right now, this muscle mommy trend is taking the internet by storm. Women want to build muscle. We want to support our hormones. We want to be healthy. We want to lift some serious weight. And, you know, maybe that's not your, your thing. Maybe you just like to just stay generally active for your mental health. That's fine too. But we're starting to understand that, you know, women do not work the same way men do. And so our hormones don't just turn off the second we want to go start working out. So we need to just take this um, one day at a time. Like you said, it's a learning process, um, but it's not, we live in our bodies every single day, right? And so to say that it's too complicated is to me very condescending because you know, whoever's writing this may or may not actually be living that cycle that we're living. And unless you have been practicing it for a couple of years and understand, and actually really three cycles is all you need to really see how much it can impact you. Um, then I, I don't really accept that cycle syncing is not worth the effort. So there's that point. Number two, um, I think, First of all, nobody is actually telling you not to work out on your period. And if they are, then you can respectfully walk away and not listen to that person because that's not actually the best evidence-based advice. We actually know that on your period, you hormonally speaking are actually primed for recovery and can hit higher intensity levels in your workouts. But 
it just might not feel as great, right? Maybe you have symptoms like cramps, maybe you are fatigued. So you have to take what the science is saying. And then you also have to layer on top of what your individual body is telling you. You've got to zoom out as well. So if you're looking at, you know, a training approach overall, it doesn't make sense to deload or to decrease your intensity or for recovery during a time where you have the most energy. So it's aligning your energy levels and making it a logical plan. So a lot of people will take the menstrual cycle and think of it as a weakness of, oh, this is um, feminine fragility, right? We can't do this on this, this phase of our cycle and we can do this here. It's not about that. It's about optimization and it's about making our experience inside of our bodies as best as possible because nobody wins when women don't feel great, right? Nobody wins when we're forcing you to do something that doesn't feel good. So I think a lot of the misconceptions comes from people trying to sync their cycle to a textbook or trying to follow a specific specific protocol without taking their body into account. Organifi has everything you need when it comes to high quality adaptogens, supplements, and now collagen. I actually use their collagen daily and I love it. And I have a 20% off code for you to use. Many of you know about adaptogens. They are herbs or mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. They only provide you with the support you need when your body needs it. Research shows adaptogens can help balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function depending on the adaptogen that you use. Organifi has a large variety of adaptogen blends. For example, they have green juice, which has ashwagandha. It's really great for stress support. They also have Harmony, which is an amazing blend of Vitex Berry and Maca, which is known to help relieve PMS symptoms like headaches and mood changes. And now they also have supplements. So if you go to Organifi.com forward slash well-fed, you'll see that they have actual pills that you can take. One of my favorite is called Focus, and that is just pure organic lion's mane and an organic coffee fruit extract to help improve your focus and support mental clarity. They also have a brand new collagen, which I have been waiting for this because I trust their sourcing and they always are glyphosate free. It is unflavored collagen from pasture-raised cows, wild-caught fish, eggshell membranes, and organic bone broth protein. It helps replenish and rebuild the most abundant protein and gives you benefits of radiant skin and hair and strong nails. So you can use it when you're taking an adrenal cocktail. You can add a little bit into your adrenal cocktail or add it to smoothies or even drinks because it's tasteless. I love that Organifi is so innovative and always coming up with new things, new products, and they have a lot of good stuff in the works. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. They take pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market. That is why I use them. I like to drink them. I like what the, how they taste, and that's a big deal to me. These are clinical doses of adaptogens, so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash well-fed. Use our code well-fed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash well-fed, and use code well-fed for 20% off. Yes, 100%. Okay, so... The question I I want you to address this too, because a lot of like, I've seen this everywhere, which is like, you're telling me I can't do something on my period. Like, oh, you're, you said feminine fragility. Why, why is that like, correct that misconception for me that you can't do anything on your period. And when are we actually saying, like, when is actually the downtime for women when we're syncing up? 
our fitness or our life or even our um you talk <laughs> cleaning. Like I thought that was so funny. I'm like, I need to track my cleaning now. Like really yes. figure out when am I cleaning more versus when I'm not syncing up all of that and to where we're having this like downtime. So for a typical woman, when is that downtime? What week is that? Yeah. Typically that's going to be the week leading up to your period. So that late luteal phase. And that's another thing too, is the luteal phase has a terrible reputation. It it's portrayed as being this two week period where you're just going to be horizontal the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Really, the early luteal phase is a fantastic time to be strength training. It's a fantastic time to be working on your endurance efforts, lower intensity, but maybe longer in duration. Um, and then when you get to that latter half of the luteal phase, which is probably about five, six days before your period, that's when you would taper down in intensity. And then again, according to how your body responds, once you start bleeding, you may feel this sense of like relief and like you have come alive again. Or you might need a couple of days until your heaviest bleed days are over to feel like you have thawed from winter. So Got it. Also, I, I like the thawed term. Also, um, I think it's really important and maybe for people who aren't one, who are not lifting regularly, like a lot of people who have who have opinions on this are not people who are like lifting intensely, let's be honest. And so once you get into a serious strength training program where you have periods of intensity, you also need periods of recovery. Like it's not just I'm running three to four miles a few times a week. And now you're telling me I should walk instead of run on one one of those weeks. It's not, that's, of course that could be helpful. But talk to me just a little bit about periodization when it comes to, like, as a personal trainer, we learn about this, right? And if you know anything about lifting or if you've run any sort of marathons or done a triathlon or anything, you know about periodization, which is you build, you build, you build, you have a down week. It's so yeah. naturally. And so we have these smaller cycles. We have these larger cycles where we have seasons of more endurance focused training, not and endurance is not a term just that describes long distance running. It's the higher rep stuff, right? Then you also have seasons of I'm going more strength focused. I'm only going to be doing five to six reps and you give it, you know, sometimes six to eight to 12 weeks, right? And then you have seasons are more relaxing. So talk me through that, you know, truth that we know about training and why that kind of perfectly aligns with the cycle or why you think maybe that that, you know, those two things perfectly align. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense not to align them. Right. So in any kind of formal training, like you were saying, you have um, a progression of intensity followed by a down week or a deload week. And so what happens if we are not taking the cycle into account and we're deloading when we have the most energy or the peak of our training is during that late luteal phase when we feel the lowest energy and not just that, but actually motivation for the gym is lowest in the late luteal phase and confidence, motivation, and drive for physical exertion is highest in about mid cycle in the ovulatory phase. So why not try to optimize that and get the most out of your sessions so that you're feeling better and at the end of your session, not feeling like that took everything out of you, right? So what we can do is we can start with the very beginning of your cycle when we start our periodization and we can progress in intensity up until that last few days before your period and deload then. 
And then on top of that, you can still utilize progressive overload. And progressive overload doesn't necessarily just mean going heavier every single time. It also means decreasing the weight and now increasing reps. So something you were previously repping four to six times, now you can rep that, you know, eight to 10 times. And so when you progress through the cycle, you can sort of naturally see where these concepts fit, where how your body is designed to perform fits perfectly with the traditional periodization model. So we can go low reps and heavy weight in the beginning of the cycle. And then we might be able to take that same weight or slightly less and rep it for more because we're more endurance based in our luteal phase. And then we deload towards the end of the cycle and start over. So it's really logical when you look at like at it like that. Um, and not just from that like trainer mode, but also from the perspective of the client too, of who is actually performing these exercises and how do we want them to feel? Do we want them to feel like they have to drag themselves into the gym? Do they, do we want them to feel like, you know, it's going to take everything out of them to hit their workout that day? No, we want to optimize the experience for these clients. And we also want to, you know, see the results. And the cool thing about periodizing this way is that it actually is a tool for consistency, right? So when we're actually deloading in a, during a period where our body wants to rest more, we have this tool now for to zoom out and see the bigger picture and understand that there's nothing wrong with us, that we're not falling off the wagon, right? It's that we're just responding to what our body is trying to do. And we're respecting that and we're honoring that. And that way, when we are feeling our energy rise again, it's not this feeling of, okay, now I have to start over. You're just simply continuing with the plan. And so a lot of the women I see who are following cyclical fitness, they're telling me that they've been the most consistent with exercise for the first time in their lives after having kids. And it's just a total perspective shift. Yeah, I love that. As a quick personal example for me, I used to train a lot for marathons and running and I have distinct memories. I know exactly where I was running and I like it just kept happening. Um, we were living in Annapolis and I would plan, I think I was trying to go for speed and I must've been doing these types of longer runs where I had pickups and during the pickups, I would get excruciating cramping, like excruciating and it would stop me and I don't stop. So like, it was very weird that I would get. And so it happened like two or three times and I was like, what is going on? later. And so like, I, I was like, am I just like, not what's going on? Like, am I losing my fitness? Like what is going on? But it was all menstrual cramping. Um, but I don't usually get cramps. So it was so weird for me years later. I, um, or maybe not even that long. I think that might've been what kind of catapulted me into trying to really research and figure out what was going on in terms from like a cyclical fitness perspective. And I learned and tracked it. And when this happened, it was literally always like two or three days before I started my period. So it wasn't when I shifted, it wasn't that I decided I was going to stop running before my period. I was still going to run, but I was going to change the type of runs that I was doing. I wasn't going to be planning these like long runs with pickups. I wasn't going to be planning speed work in the three to four days before I started my period, because why? Like it wouldn't have gone well, right? So then I was armed with that information. And as I was able to say, okay, this is the, the deload week or the week where I say, if you feel like running two to three miles, great. If you feel like going for a walk, great. It was never stop running. It was 
figure out a way to shift the runs to fit your body's needs. So exactly. Yes. It's not a, and your cycle is not a hindrance. It's just more information for you to reach your goals in a way that feels good. Yeah. Let's get to some questions from the community. This is from Leanne Bakes. She says, honestly, I'm so overwhelmed and intimidated. What is the best way to start and how do you begin? Yes. Great question. So first of all, you cannot start sinking to your cycle without knowing your cycle. So the first place to start is to just slow down and start listening to your body. And this can take maybe three months, three cycles where you're just tracking your patterns, just tracking your mood, your energy. And from there, you may even want to start just dividing the cycle in half. Like we were saying before, before ovulation and after ovulation, or you might want to just pick one part of your cycle where you feel like you're impacted the most. So maybe for you, that means you change nothing except in the few days before your period where you feel, you know, maybe the lowest energy, that's when you decrease the intensity. So you can truly just start by a listening to your body and tracking patterns to know what you're actually going to sink to. And then to just pick one part of the cycle to start and you can sprinkle in as you see fit. This is from Al Canonico. This is where I get to read really fun names and pretend like I know how to pronounce things. Um, she says, it can be overwhelming with diet, exercise, skincare, et cetera. How do you simplify it? So how do we, and I think this is from the perspective of, okay, we know our cycle. How do we actually simplify figuring out what is right for us at different points of our cycle? Yeah, I think it all depends on your goals um, and what you spend the most time doing. So if you really value fitness and you you know are in the gym and you want to be more consistent with the exercise, that would be a great place for you to start. You don't have to do everything all at once. It's not an all or nothing approach. And I actually don't even do that much in terms of cyclical nutrition. I kind of take a bigger, wider lens approach to it because I do for me. Personally, I think the grocery lists by phase are overwhelming, especially when you're trying to feed a family and you want to get a meal on the table that everyone will take more than two bites of. I'm not going to stick to these grocery lists that aren't going to be necessarily, you know, useful for my life. So if you look at the different areas of cyclical living and one of them feels super overwhelming to you and you get this gut response of, I just don't think that's going to serve me, then don't even approach it yet. Because if it's causing you more stress and that defeats the whole purpose of what cyclical living is trying to even, um, help with. So, um, just one thing at a time. So for, for me personally, like my goals right now, I want to be building muscle. So I'm using cyclical fitness as a tool and as information to help me get there. Um, when it comes to nutrition, it may be, you want to, um, use nutrition to support those goals. So you can take, just take a handful of things. And I think we're going to get to nutrition in a little bit. Um, but you can, instead of the grocery list, you can be looking at bigger pictures in terms of, Hey, my appetite is bigger in the luteal phase. I actually have an increased metabolic demand in my luteal phase. My hunger isn't working against me. I need to fuel my body appropriately. So it can just be those little tiny mindset things. And the information, the more you learn, the more you're going to understand where in your life cyclical living is going to serve you. For me, my skin, I've absolutely noticed that in my menstrual phase, my skin's more sensitive. Um, I get flushed more easily. Certain mm-hmm. products I feel a little bit too harsh or my skin gets dried out. So for me, it is impactful to notice that and to switch my product and use a bit more moisturizer in my menstrual phase, for example. So again, it's just going back to your body, how it behaves and what your goals are. Yeah, like you could read an article about 
the physiological changes and how that might impact your skin. But if it's not impacting your skin in that way, that's 100% okay. You just have to learn how does my skin react when I'm menstruating? How does my skin react when I'm ovulating? You can take those little nuggets, something like, okay, I have, I have more estrogen. My skin should be a little bit more supple and able to respond to some treatments. So if you're like going to go get a facial or a resurfacing mask, like maybe plan it around your ovulation But again, take the information and still figure out, did my body actually, or did my skin actually respond well to this? And then, you know, move forward and take note for future months. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Okay. So now Gal Picks says, what are some specific examples of exercises to do and to avoid in each specific phase? Thank you. I love this question because the answer is nothing. Everything is fair game. It's more about the overall approach in terms of how intensely you're applying that exercise, right? Squats or squats or squats. So let's say in the follicular phase, you're doing squats. Maybe that looks like heavier barbell squats, or maybe you're doing um, squats in a Tabata style hit workout. So that intensity of performing that exercise is really high versus maybe in the luteal phase, you're going to take those squats you're going to lower the weight and you're going to increase those reps. Maybe you're going to go down to body weight. Maybe you'll work on tempo and your breath work within those squats. Maybe you're towards the very end of your cycle and into your menstrual phase, you're working on your actual mobility and getting into an optimal position and depth for your squat. So there's different ways that you can approach the same exercise and the same um, exercise modality or practice within the cycle. So nothing is off limits. You just have to zoom out and look at the big picture of how you apply those exercises. So like you were saying with your running, you love to run, you have a goal, your your cycle isn't a hindrance, you're just using that for information of how you apply that and how you sort of game plan the big picture of your training. Yeah, and this was a follow-up question from Dixie. She says, I feel like the cycle syncing method makes it hard to actually weight train the whole month. I'm not really interested in cardio or swimming or HIT that is usually recommended for some weeks. What's the best way to keep lifting throughout the month? And Biz Logan said, yes, I feel the same. How do you make strength gains while also following the cycle seeking suggestions? And I will say, you know, I have an article on cycle syncing and, um, you know, I give examples of like, what are some more endurance type of activities? And so this could absolutely lead to misconceptions of like, oh, I can't weight lift during the luteal phase, I need to go for a walk or I need to go swimming and I don't want to freaking swim, which I get it, Dixie, because who wants to like get in the pool and wash your hair afterwards? Like it's a production. So I 100% understand. I love swimming, hate swimming because of that. So is there anything else that you want to touch on in terms of making strength gains specifically with cyclical fitness? Totally. I, I actually, I have this running joke that I'm allergic to cardio. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't enjoy cardio. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I got to work my heart and my lungs too, yeah. but it's not what I really want to be doing. So I, I don't actually do the, the, you know, it's kind of impractical too, right? Because if you look at some of these suggestions, it's like, oh gosh, I have to have a yoga membership and a boxing class membership. It's like, this is getting expensive. This is getting impractical. But what you said, it really hits the nail on the head of these are just general representations of some activities that fit best for the, just the physiological, um, 
happenings going on in your body, your metabolism and what it's pretty much primed to do. But you can apply these things towards any type of fitness, especially with strength training. So that is what I stick to most. That's what I teach the most. I have an entire strength training program that is cyclical in nature. So what, what I do is like, we've been talking about this whole episode is in the first half of your cycle, what we do is we start off at around 70% of your um, one rep max, and we're going for moderate reps here. So if you're more like trainer focused, this is like your hypertrophy style training. And then once you go into the ovulatory phase, that's when you're going to take your RPE or your one rep max, and you're working within your 80 to up to 100% of your one rep max. So you're doing your really heavy singles. Then when you head into your early luteal phase, you can drop a bit down into around 60% of your one rep max, but your reps are higher. And then when you go into your deload week, we're working at about 50 to 60% of your one rep max. So all of this fits into wanting to increase your strength, wanting to increase muscle size. Um, if you're going off of your percentages and how it correlates to your cycle. Yep. I love that. This is from Liz Ellie, she says, what can we do in our luteal phase to feel good mentally and have more energy? Love this question. Um, I think the most important thing is not to stop moving, but to find a way to move that feels the best. So for me, that is some lighter strength training that's going to be walking. Um, beyond that, nutrition is really important here. So like I touched on before, your metabolic demand goes up some up to 300 calories uh, per day in that luteal phase. And so your appetite might be higher. And I think it's really important to honor that. Um, also, I think a lot of the um, reasons we don't feel as great during the luteal phase can relate back to blood sugar balance because in the luteal phase, our blood sugar is not as easily balanced. So if you're going to be eating carbs, which is important to eat, pair it with a protein, pair it with a fat so that you can stabilize that blood sugar spike and crash. And that will help stabilize your mood and your energy. Um, I've, I think adding magnesium in all month long, but then maybe increasing during the luteal phase is super impactful for a lot of women because um, that is going to help with a mood with sleep, especially during the luteal phase, we can get some sleep disturbances. And then it also will help benefit your menstrual phase because it helps with cramping. The last thing I'll say is you might want to consider decreasing caffeine and decreasing alcohol with that too. Caffeine is interesting because it actually decreases the amount of magnesium that we can absorb in the gut. And so when you have a lot of caffeine in the luteal phase, it can lead to more menstrual cramping, more energy fluctuations. So that has been such an impactful thing amongst my community is just reducing caffeine. And suddenly they're like, wow, this luteal phase thing is not the demon it's been made out to be. If you want 20% off sauna blankets, blue light blocking glasses, blue light blocking lighting, and more, I have an exclusive code for you. I have now been testing a sauna blanket from Bond Charge for about six months, and I still love it. It is the most affordable one on the market. I use Bond Charge products all throughout my day. Many of you know them because they are a holistic wellness brand. They have a lot of evidence-based products. For example, I'm wearing my Bond Charge yellow computer glasses right now because I'm trying to prevent headaches and it works brilliantly. I also put on my orange blue light blocking glasses nightly. 
every night at sunset. They have been a lifesaver for me for improving sleep and reducing headaches when looking at screens. We also have their red light bulbs in our room and the yellow bulbs in the kids' rooms, which is the only light we turn on at night. It's just in their lamp. It's just a light bulb that you screw in. And it helps them calm down and get to sleep easier, which all parents need. And earlier this year, we finally invested in the sauna blanket from Bond Charge. I had my eye on it for a while. I absolutely love it. It mostly improves my muscle soreness and improves relaxation. And my husband is now using it to improve his detoxification. You just lay it out on the bed, plug it in, turn it on, and it will heat up within 10 minutes. Farm for Red Light works by heating the body directly, which speeds up your metabolism and sweat rate. It also relaxes muscles and reduces muscle tension. Ultimately, it's an incredible way to support your lymphatic system in detoxification, which frankly, we all need to be proactive about for proper hormone function. I even used it daily when I was doing my parasite cleanse. And we have a deal which you will not find anywhere else. Go to bondcharge.com forward slash wellfed. Use coupon code wellfed to save 20%. That's bondcharge, B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com forward slash wellfed. Our coupon code is wellfed for 20% off. That's $140 off your very own sauna blanket. And the discount works on all blue light blocking glasses, light bulbs, and more. Yeah. I think too, like she she mentioned, how do I feel good mentally? I feel like women often beat themselves up when they can't handle what they expect themselves to handle. And just being able to let go of that can be huge. So understanding that in the luteal phase, you are going to be a more tired, right? You're going right. to be a little bit more tired. You're going to struggle a little bit more. You're going to Maybe be, you know, need a little bit more rest. You don't have to beat yourself up about that. You can actually take that rest, take the the backseat and not feel like, and maybe you say no to more, you know, maybe there's something going on that there's, you know, a party or something or, you know, a get together and you, you can, <laughs> all the introverts, introverts are like, yes, thank you. But, you know, maybe you say no, you intentionally say no during the week where you know you're going to have a little bit less energy and you allow, you don't have the the shame and the guilt around that. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay, so- uh, type A's and overachievers because we don't want to ever slow down, but there's, there's so much self-respect that goes into just honoring and listening and understanding that rest is very productive too. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is about the food stuff. This is from Rachel. She says, is there any benefit to avoid or limit carbs during certain phases of the cycle? With this, would certain phases benefit from higher fat or protein consumption? Okay. So we shouldn't be avoiding any particular nutrient, macronutrient, micronutrient, and any particular part of the cycle, they are beneficial all month long, but their importance and their application changes a bit. So in the first half of the cycle, our metabolisms are a bit more efficient at using carbs. So how can you use that information? Well, if you're going to be using cyclical fitness and you're doing higher intensity exercise, heavier weightlifting or interval training that utilizes more carbohydrates. And so if you were going to increase your carb intake to correlate to your, your fitness or your movement, then that would be a great time to increase your carbs in the follicular phase. Now, when you get into the luteal phase, we know a couple of things. One is that our 
metabolism shifts a bit towards a bit more biased towards using fat for fuel during exercise. And that is part of the reason why some lower intensity endurance work is more beneficial in the luteal phase is because we're better at utilizing the substrates necessary to, to do endurance training. So instead of increasing your fat, maybe if, you know, you can get as detailed as you want with this, but sure, you could increase fat here. And other, um, the other thing is protein with the luteal phase too. Uh, in the luteal phase, progesterone is the star of the show. Progesterone is a bit catabolic in nature, meaning that progesterone needs to create a uterine lining out of something. And so muscle tissue is what gets broken down in small amounts to create that uterine lining. So what can we do? We need to be making sure that we're eating enough protein in all parts of the cycle, but especially in that luteal phase to make sure we're replenishing um, after a workout, we want to get in protein. We want to be using protein to help balance out carbs that we're not getting those blood sugar imbalances. So the, the applications of the different macronutrients do change a bit during the cycle, but Overall, we should be getting enough of those things all cycle long. Yep. I love that. Okay. Do you know, this is from Kira, and I always get a lot of questions about this. Do you, in your research, have you seen any benefit to seed cycling or do you recommend it? Yeah, that's one of those things where either you love it or you don't want to touch it, right? For me personally, I have not tried it because it's one of those things that feels a bit overwhelming and I, I like to stick to simplicity. Yeah. So we know that seeds themselves are highly nutritious and we know that there are certain things in the cycle that we need to support. Theoretically, seed cycling can support your estrogen and your progesterone in the different phases of the cycle, but there are no current studies that show that the practice of, of seed cycling long-term is going to produce any specific results. So I say eat seeds, include them in your diet because they're nutritious, but I personally don't get too detailed into cycling them with my phases. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to jump into, for our last little bit, timing and how to's because the biggest question by far is irregularity with cycles. So this yeah. is from the Mona Lisa. She says, what should you do if your cycle is longer than the average 21, 28 to 31 days? Can you still trust cycle sinking slash cervical mucus if yours is more like 35 to 40 days? And then this is also from Kristen Graham. She says, can you do cycle sinking with irregular or elongated cycles and would it help? Yeah. So I think there's a place for cyclical fitness, cyclical living to benefit no matter what your cycle looks like. Um, but I think the first question was saying, you know, you have to follow these practices, but what we've been getting at this whole episode, I think is you've got to be following your own body. So what you can do is track ovulation. Maybe you want to use a basal body um, thermometer to confirm ovulation. And then from there, you understand that after you confirm ovulation, you're in your luteal phase. Obviously, you know, your menstrual phase. And after your bleed is over, you're in your follicular phase. So just by tracking and confirming ovulation, you know exactly where you are in your cycle. And this might mean that you're kind of taking it more day by day instead of being able to proactively plan in advance. Some of us with super regular cycles can know six months from now, this is what I'm going to be doing on this date. But for those of us with irregular cycles, it's not that easy. And so it is a bit more of a day by day approach. And instead of syncing to a textbook, you need to be syncing to what your body is doing. 
And so taking these general, general recommendations, and it might take some trial and error of like, okay, hey, here, I know that I ovulated a couple of days ago, I tried this style of workout, but I actually felt like I could do way more, right? That's really valuable information. So this goes for you. If you have a regular or a regular cycle, you have to definitely try it out and see what your body is telling you. So it takes some time, but it's definitely possible and definitely beneficial. And does it help? regulate cycles. I know that that's kind of like a big question and what everybody's really going for, which is like, oh, cycle syncing to help improve hormone function. But like, is that a real thing? Or I mean, I know we talked about the literature, but can't have you seen it help women who have irregular cycles become more regular? Yes. So yeah, to your point of, is that the main benefit to regulate hormones? I think the biggest thing here is that you're using your hormones as a tool to help benefit you and your goals, right? But then also this style of exercise can also help your hormones because the what we're really after here is stress reduction. And so if you are doing your most intense workouts during a time when your body is less equipped to handle that stress, yeah, your inflammation is going to go up. Your hormones might feel a little bit more imbalanced. So there is that cascade of events that happens just from stress reduction alone and consistent exercise alone, especially when it comes to things like PCOS and insulin resistance, you know, consistent strength training is so important. And then when you use cyclical guidance as a tool for longevity and consistency, then you're actually getting the benefits of exercise, right? We can't get the benefits out of exercise if we do it here, do it there, you know, sporadically. But if we're doing it consistently, then we actually get to feel the benefits of exercise itself, which we know benefits our hormone balance. So it's not just your cycle itself. It's it's the tool that it provides. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so this is from Marielle Strunk. Cycle sync, she says, just talk about cycle syncing and perimenopause. And I liked this question from Isabella. She says, I'm 40 plus. I still have a regular healthy cycle. What are some considerations for someone like me as I approach, you know, perimenopause and menopause? So is it possible and how do you do it when your cycles are irregular or you're you're in perimenopause or an approaching menopause? Yeah. So it's pretty pretty much the same as the irregular cycles in terms of logistics and how you apply it and you know tracking ovulation. But when you're approaching perimenopause, you might not ovulate, you might not menstruate. So things can get a little bit tricky in terms of um, pinpointing exactly when to do and where. And so for that reason, I think then you're sinking mostly to energy levels. And then once you approach and hit that menopause point, I think it's important for women to understand that then exercise takes the place of what your hormones used to do for you already. So you're not getting that stimulus from estrogen anymore. But when we exercise, we are providing that stimulus to help lay down more bone density and and build muscle and improve our insulin sensitivity. So all of those things can now happen when you exercise consistently. And when you hit menopause, I think I get this question a lot too of like, well, do I still follow a cyclical rhythm? This goes back again to the idea of periodization. Absolutely. Whether you're, you know, doing it in accordance to your four phases, or whether you don't have any phases at all, you're still going to have to go through periods of building intensity and then deloading. And for a lot of women, they just find it's more natural and a lot easier to still follow that three weeks on one week deload uh, model. And there's nothing wrong with it. So I think it's, it's, you know, very beneficial once you're approaching menopause. 
Yeah. And I think um, in our go, go, go society, and especially with women who are used to just pushing it all the time, I think that having this intentional stress reducing week where we rest more and we intentionally say no and we do less, God bless. Like, I think that that is really, really important, but something that's been so missed in our society. Like, we don't intentionally have these seasons of rest, especially after seasons of go, you know? And if you can't just go, you cannot go all the time without also taking a step back and intentionally resting and intentionally saying no. So it's something that you learn over time for sure. And I, I think, you know, in, in this phase of my life, it's definitely been like, we we just got to say no and like stay at home. Um, but early on, it's something that you, you kind of, you, you don't know and you don't know your limits. And so if you kind of are already in that cycle, it seems like it would be so beneficial even when you're in your forties and fifties and beyond too. So Absolutely. Um, last question is about cycle, like sinking your cycle to everything when you're breastfeeding, which it's kind of hard. You, you may not have a cycle, but Liz Jackson says cycle sinking postpartum while breastfeeding. Is it worth trying or is there no point? And Anna Kate Hawkins says, can you do this when you're postpartum and nursing and your cycle hasn't returned yet? So what's the physiological state that women are in? Because we know that hormones are still going when we're nursing, but we haven't gotten our cycle yet. So what can we do you know, what's the physiological state that's happening and what can we do to maybe help our get in that cyclical cycle? Sure. So this is going to differ women to women. I was blessed to get my cycle back not two weeks after I stopped bleeding from delivering. So there, there's some women who just get right back into their cycle. Um, and that's actually when I first started to practice cyclical fitness. And then there are other women who it takes them one and a half years, right? So when we're nursing, You've got prolactin, which actually suppresses ovulation. And so we're not getting that big rise of estrogen like we would be if we were cycling. So for that reason, a lot of women feel like nursing without a cycle is very similar to being in menopause, right? It's not the same, but you also have another human being right? You have another human being that you're taking care of who is going through growth spurts and you are having to provide that fuel for that person to triple in size by their first birthday, right? And so there's so many considerations um, that come into play, like your sleep, like your, your fuel and your appetite. And so for the, for women who are not cycling yet, I think the first thing that you need to focus on is getting enough rest and enough fuel and movement that is specific to postpartum recovery. Maybe you had prolapse, maybe you're, you know, just not feeling yourself. Maybe you had a diastasis recti. So there are a lot of very specific considerations postpartum, but I think once you kind of pass that point where, um, you know, you're not, actively healing from delivery and your doctor has cleared you for movement and then you're waiting for your cycle to come back, that gap can kind of be like, okay, well, what do I do? So what do I tell women is that you can actually mimic a cycle if you want to. 
by going through two two weeks of higher intensity followed by a week of lower intensity followed by a week of a, of a deload. And that might work for you. Another way to approach it is just by kind of treating yourself as if you are in this really early follicular phase, this prolonged follicular phase, because when you do get your cycle back, you will start with the follicular phase with that trigger of FSH and estrogen rising until you eventually ovulate. And a lot of women don't consider that they've gotten their cycle back yet until they've menstruated, but really to menstruate, you had to have ovulated first and gone through an ovulatory phase. And then before that, a follicular phase. So keep an eye out. Um, I know a lot of women start as soon as they stop bleeding, they start tracking their hormones, tracking their basal body um, temperature to see when they do enter back into a cycle. If that seems like too much for you, I don't blame you. I didn't do it, but um, there's a diff- couple different ways that you can go about it and see what, what feels best for you. CourtneyKeepingBalance.com on Instagram, your Courtney Keeping Balance. Please go follow her. She's got some amazing stuff. Tell me about your, I'm so impressed with you. Tell me about your app and your program or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cyclical program that you have, which I see so many people loving and talking about. Um, yeah. Tell us what you, what you have going on. Yeah. So I just released the Keeping Balance Method app, which if you join a membership, you get on-demand cyclical training. So I have four different workout vaults based off of your phase. That way, wherever you are in your cycle, you can just go to the vault that corresponds to your cycle day and pick between strength training, cardio. I've got guided runs, um, all of the things. Um, Then I also have a 12-week progressive overload strength training program called Unstoppable. So all of that now lives on the app. It's available for Apple, Android. uh, free download. It's a free intro course. And from there you can get a free seven day trial. If you want to try out the membership. I just brought up your Instagram and I already was like getting lost. I was like, Oh, I'm going to click on this. No, Noel, you're still on a podcast. So Courtney keeping balance.com. I will link to all of her <laughs> cool stuff in the show notes, um, including the app and the program. And, um, I just love what you're doing. So thank you so much for taking the time to answer all these questions. We got through everything, which is always such an accomplishment for me. So I appreciate you sticking it out. <laughs> And um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep in touch. And I'm excited to do maybe a Cycle Sinking 3.0 episode with you in the future because hopefully this continues to grow and get attention. So thank you so much, Noelle. It's been a pleasure. All right. So for more from Courtney, it's CourtneyKeepingBalance.com. For more from me, CoconutsAndKettlebells.com. Thanks for being here, guys. I will talk to you next week.